that's all right. It's all, you all right, Bobby? Wonderful. I was talking with a preacher friend. Bob's not tired. I was talking with a preacher friend a number of years ago, and uh, he said to me, yes, yeah, something's wrong with the church tonight. I don't know if people were just tired. I don't know if people were, and he went on and on, and finally I started laughing, and he said, what are you laughing about? I said, maybe the problem was you. Maybe it wasn't the people at all. <laughs> and then, of course, he started laughing. Well, maybe it was me. All right, now I just need to know how loud I have to get and animate to keep those of you that are tired awake. How about that? 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I love to see discipleship happening, and uh, we've got discipleship happening right here on this other piano where Anya is learning from Chrissy and it's, it's wonderful to see uh, reproducing, if you would, the next generation. And that's really what it's about, reproducing. Who are you reproducing? Who are you pouring your life in? And uh, that's important for us to be thinking about as we think about uh, Christ and discipling and teaching others. Now, we're just going to be in this chapter for just a minute. I told you this morning I wanted to preach a message, really a series of three messages, on gratitude. And tonight we're going to look very briefly in a very simple message called the call to gratitude. And then we'll look at the key to gratitude and hindrance to gratitude. Next Sunday night, Stephen will be with us, Lord willing, and he'll be giving us an update on what the Lord did for the months that he was traveling. And uh, I'm excited about that. And uh, I told him if he, if he needs more time, we'll have him preach some other time. I said, just give us a report. You know, he could, he could report for an hour and then preach for an hour and, and uh, probably be good. I'm sure it would. But we won't have him do that. <laughs> we might have him do it on separate occasions. If you notice the sign coming in uh, to church tonight from the, uh, I guess, the farm side. So if you come this way, you might not have seen it. Well, I guess you do leave, though. I guess you would have seen it. You leave both ways. So you would have seen it. This, the far sign uh, says this, Thanksgiving is not a day, it is a lifestyle. And really, being thankful ought to be something that characterizes us on a regular basis. And I'm thankful that we take set aside time for Thanksgiving. Uh, but I, I think it's important for us to recognize that as the day gets worse, people will get less thankful. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Now there's some big stuff there. Selfish, covetous, boasters, proud. They're going to be blaspheming, disobedient to parents. And then you see the word unthankful, unholy. I'll read the rest of the list. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. When you read the list, sandwiched straight in the middle of this list, is unthankful. A call to gratitude. The Bible tells us four times in Psalm 107, verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. We read the same verse, the same phrase. After God says concerning his people, after he demonstrates his faithfulness, then the Bible says this, Oh, that men 
would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. I want to take just a few minutes and give you four reasons why we should heed the call of gratitude. Basic and simple, when I give them to you, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I knew that. I'm probably not going to learn anything new, new tonight, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for meeting with us through singing, through an interaction with one another. Now, Lord, we ask that you would do what only you can do tonight, and would you help us as we look at your word. Help us, Lord, to have thanksgiving, not just as a day, but as a lifestyle. Would we be people that are grateful? Lord, we'll need your help if this is going to be a part of our everyday life. Lord, I pray you'd use these truths in our lives tonight. Glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to turn. We're going to look at four different passages of Scripture tonight now. I want to ask you to turn to Psalm 100. This is a psalm that we often read at Thanksgiving. It is a, a, a really a thankful giveness, what do you call it, Thanksgiving psalm. Uh, but there's some very, obviously we won't take too much time here, but there's some very good things in Psalm 100. And I want to give you the first thought tonight. Reason number one that we ought to heed the call of gratitude is because he, God, created us. Psalm 100 verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Boy, do people need to get a hold of that today. People think that they're God. People act like they're God. People act like they can do anything they want to do. They got all this AI and technology. Listen, nothing can happen that God doesn't allow to happen. That quick, God can say you're done, and you're done. And it's amazing to me that sometimes people in their pride get so big that they forget that he is God and that he is the one that created all of us. He is the creator. Uh, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then, of course, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because he created us. We didn't create ourselves. And into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generation. Isaiah 45 and verse 18 says this, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord, and there is none else. By the way, we looked at it this morning. The one that creates us knows us better than we know ourselves. The one that created us knows what will satisfy and meet the deepest needs in our lives. The one that created us, the Bible said he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. God created us. He fashioned us. He formed us. Psalm 139 says, Thou hast possessed my reins, thou covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. 
The Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 17, in him we live and move and have our being. God created us. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Why? Because God created us and God knows what he is doing. A French infidel was walking one evening beside the shade of some noble trees. How grand and beautiful are these noble trees, said the wanderer as he looked up into their branches. But how singular that so large a tree should bear a fruit so small as the acorn. Still wondering, he cast his eye upon a gourd vine running along the hedgerow with its stem so tender that the slightest pressure would have severed it and yet yielding a fruit weighing 100 pounds. How singular, said the wanderer, that so small a plant should grow so large a fruit. If I had been God, said he, I would have managed creation better than this. I would have put the small fruit on the small plant, and I would have placed the large gourd on this noble oak. And then, wearied with the heat of the day, he laid himself beneath the shade of its spreading branches and fell asleep. An acorn, already ripe, fell on the face of the sleeper. Awakened by the little fruit, the thought flashed upon his mind. Had that been the gourd of 100 pounds weight, I should probably by this time have been a corpse. He immediately asked forgiveness of God. He saw that the author of all good had rightly disposed of every tree and the fruit thereof. Conviction went on under divine direction until conversion took its place and the thoughtless blasphemer became a servant of the Most High God. God is the creator and God knows what he's doing and God is worthy of our praise. Number two, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two. This chapter does not necessarily have the... The, con- the context of being thankful, but as we look at it, you can see what the Apostle Paul is seeking to communicate to the church's Ephesus is what God did in their life. And I want us to see, secondly, if you're saved tonight, we need to be thankful because he not only created us, he cleansed us. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where were you before you trusted Christ as Savior? How far out in the world were you? How far from God were you? We were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Remember back that far? When you walked according to the course of this world? According to the prince of the power of the air? The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, fulfilling the lust, the desires of the flesh. Look at verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? And not only that, he's raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ. 
We sang tonight, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. That wasn't the intended song, but the Lord orchestrated us to sing that song. I thought about that. It's a great song. Not only goes with the message, it goes with the Lord's Supper. Do you know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin? The songwriter said this, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. How far is the east from the west? (laughs) I don't know, but it's pretty far. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Sometimes, though, our interaction when it comes to forgiving one another is like a man that lay on his deathbed. He was harassed by fear because he had harbored hatred against another He sent for the individual with whom he had a disagreement years before, and he made overtures of peace. The two of them shook hands in friendship. But as the visitor left, the sick man roused and said, Remember, if I get over this, the old quarrel still stands. I'm thankful the old quarrel doesn't stand this direction. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. You know what? Everything in our lives may not be going the way we think it ought to go, but we're forgiven. Far as the east is from the west, our sins to be remembered no more. A Scottish physician was noted for his skill and piety. After his death, when his books were examined, several accounts had written across them in red ink, forgiven, too poor to pay. Whose wife, who was a different disposition, said he had died. His wife, she was a little bit different. She said, these accounts must be paid. She therefore sued for the money. The judge asked her, is this your husband's handwriting in red ink? She replied in the affirmative. Then said he, there's not a tribunal in the land that can obtain the money where he has written, forgiven. When God forgives our sins... They're forgiven. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We were on our way to hell. But God, who is rich in mercy, saved our soul. Aren't we thankful for that? Amen. That in of itself. You know, you can leave here tonight. We can live every day right with God. Not because we're perfect, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can say, my sins are forgiven. They're under the blood. What a, what, what a reason to rejoice. Number three, the call to gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter number five. Not only did he create us, he cleansed us. He commands us. First Thessalonians five, we've been in this book for some time and we finished it, but I can't help but call us back to a command that we find in First Thessalonians five, and verse number 18, not only is it a command, but God tacks onto it the importance of it by telling us that it is his will. Verse 18, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What I like about the commands of God is that if God commands us to do something then God will enable us to do that something. 
I'm thankful for my friendship with Brother Ouellette. And um, I'll, I have a letter that I want to share with you at some point. He's going to be off the road for about six months. And, and uh, so his pastor sent out a letter um, for uh, churches that might be willing to take up an offering to be a help to him uh, while he's not doing while he's recovering. And uh, I'll try to le- read you a portion of the letter uh, on Wednesday if I remember. In any event, we're going to, Lord willing, take an offering next Sunday. If you have to give, fine. If you don't, I get it. We just want to be a blessing, and he's been a blessing to us. But in communication with him, and my wife communicates to his wife, I am amazed at how somebody can lose their voice, possibly, I guess the prosthetic voice might be coming later, um, but lose their voice and can praise the Lord in the midst of that this quickly. Um, His wife has sent out some uh, beautiful, I think it's on Facebook, my wife can get you the connection there, where basically I am going to choose to give thanks and rejoice. Now, Brother Ouellette, who's, I asked him once, what are your hobbies? I don't have any hobbies. See, the only thing I do is preach. I mean, we told him a couple years ago. That's all I do. And he did. He was a pastor for 40, I think 40 years. And every Monday and Tuesday, he'd get on a plane. He'd preach somewhere across the country, preach Monday, Tuesday, come back, preach in his church Wednesday, be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He did this for years. And he said to me, all I do is preach. Well, now he has no voice. But rather than be down and discouraged in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things. Philippians 4, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. And then we got this little phrase tacked in there, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You see, when I have a thanks, thankful spirit and I'm trying to give my burdens to the Lord, sometimes we can be ungrateful because we don't like what we're facing. When I become thankful for God who is at work, Hey, I can be careful for nothing. I don't have to worry about anything because I know that God is taking care of me. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Have you ever done something? Maybe you set out to do something and you say, boy, I'm going to, maybe it's a kid's birthday party, 16th birthday or whatever, and you put a lot of work into something and, um, and you have the celebration and they leave and they don't really even say thank you. Sometimes a wife will spend hours preparing a meal. A husband will come in. Not this husband. Of course, you know I got this down. I'm just kidding. None of us have it down. And, uh, and you come in and eat and don't say thank you. Now, my wife's good. She'll remind me. She'll say, do you like the meal? You know what that means? You better thank me, buddy. No, it doesn't mean that. But, you know, the reality is we don't like that. Jesus healed 10 people. Only one came back to say thank you. And Jesus said, where are the nine? You know, the reality is God commands us to be thankful. By the way, he doesn't just command it. As I said earlier, he enables us 
to be thankful. Really, thankfulness, is, and we'll see this next week or two weeks, it's really a choice. It's a decision. It's really, and you'll see that, at least in the thing my wife read me from Chrissy, I could be down and I could be this and that, but I have chosen. I have chosen. I made a decision that I'm going to trust God and be grateful in this situation. Number four, Philippians chapter two. And this really is one of the most powerful. Every one of these reasons is important. But this one here, I think, I don't want to say it's the most important, but it's it's really important too. Philippians chapter number two. I want you to see fourthly, he commissions us. He commissions us. In chapter number two of Philippians, in verse number 13, the Bible says this, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now look at this, look at this, look at verse number 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of God. And I'm going to stop there and rejoice in the day of Christ. He not run in vain. God has called us to be lights. I don't think any of us would question the fact that we live in a crooked and perverse nation. And what this nation needs, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount there, let your light so shine before men, right? You're the salt of the earth. What this world needs is for lights to shine brightly, for Christian people to say, hey, I live in a, in a perverse nation, and yet I want to make a difference by letting my light shine. If my light's going to shine, I need to be blameless and harmless, and that comes in verse number 14, when I do all things without murmurings and disputings. Do you know what? When we complain... By the way, how many of you, we're just going to get this over with, okay? We're going to get this over with once and for all. How many of you ever ask somebody how they're doing and say, I'm tired? That's what you're saying. Okay. When are you not tired? <laughs> okay, so when someone asks you how you're doing, let's just assume that they're tired, okay? You're tired, and let's say something else, right? Like I stubbed my toe or my wife burnt. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that at all. All right. We need to be. There was a guy in Wisconsin. He was their head usher. He stood at the usher's table. He, he's dead now, Brother Steckman's father. If you ever asked him how he was doing, uh, Chrissy and Brian, you might know this. You've been there. He would always say rejoicing. No matter what. I knew there were times when he was going through it. And I'd just come up, shake his hand, how you doing? And he'd say rejoicing. It's a choice that he made. You see, it's important for us to recognize that when I murmur and complain, do you know who I make look bad? Do you know who the world needs? Do you know what we're supposed to do? You know the word glorify, I glorify my father which is in heaven, really it's to give the right opinion of him. 
We are, we are walking Bibles. There are people you go to work with that don't read the Bible. They don't pray. They don't, they don't pray at their meals. Or not. They don't know anything about God. The only thing you know about God is you. You're a walking Bible. We all have challenges. We all have struggles. But if I murmur and complain, my light isn't going to shine all that bright. And God's commissioned us to be lights in a dark world. Normally, when I give an illustration, I put a date on it, and maybe five, six, seven years, you might hear it again. I used this recently, but I have no clue when. So there's no date on it. So we're going to put today's date, and you're going to hear it again. <laughs> you may not remember. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Charles Plum was a U.S. Navy jet pilot in Vietnam. After 75 combat missions, his plane was destroyed by a surface-to-air missile. Plum ejected and parachuted into enemy hands. He was captured and spent six years in a communist Vietnamese prison. He survived the ordeal and lectures on lessons he learned from that experience. One day, Plum was sitting in a restaurant with his wife when a man from another table came up and said, You're Plum. You flew jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft Kitty Hawk. You were shot down. How in the world did you know that, asked Plum. I packed your parachute, the man replied. Plum gasped in surprise and gratitude. The man shook his hand and said, I guess it worked. Plum assured him it sure did. If your chute hadn't worked, I wouldn't be here today. Plum lost sleep over that chance meeting, wondering what he might have looked like in a Navy uniform, a white hat, a bib in the back, and bell-bottom trousers. I wondered how many times I might have seen him and not even said, good morning, how are you, or said anything, because you see, I was a fighter pilot, and he was just a sailor. Plum thought of the many hours the sailor had spent on the long wooden table in the bows of the ship, carefully weaving the shrouds and folding this, the silks of each chute, holding in his hands each time the fate of someone he didn't know. The pilot now tells his story of survival, and when he does, he asks the question, who's packing your parachute? He wants to create an awareness of how interdependent our lives are and how thankful we ought to be for the parachute packers in our lives and how much a simple word of encouragement could make a difference. We cannot all fly on high critical missions. S some will be working unseen and unsung in the bows of the ship, so to speak. But a simple good morning, how are you doing, or a word of thanks or a smile can mean the world to someone. We're commissioned. Let your light shine. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We want to make God look good. May God help us to hear the call and respond to the call of gratitude.